Hello, hello, and welcome back to another week of Kent and the Steering Team. As always, you are joined by myself, Drew, my dear friends, Bianca and Philip. Unfortunately, Kent couldn't be here this week. He said something about being gone in a day or two. Anyway, on with the show. How are we, team? Fine. Yeah, we're good. Yep. Fine and dandy and Look, all that. I am super excited because yeah. when this show goes out, I will mm. be waiting in anticipation for the shops to open yes. the next day. Yes, the countdown is Indeed. on. The countdown is absolutely on for us because, um, of course, um, Monday the 11th of October is the day that, that um, New South Wales in Australia, the state we're in, um, opens up and um, half opens up, really kind of, sort of. Yeah. Very much time. opens up, though, if you're double vaccinated, which we are. Yep, we all are. The whole team yep. is. Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be brilliant. We're excited for that tomorrow um, for us at the time of this being. Um, Guys, good. we're going to be able to record in the same room together again. We are. We'll be able to go to the cinemas. We'll ah. be able to go on adventures to the shops. We'll be able to do a and lot of things. And more excitedly, someone can make me a coffee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Facts. Indeed. I really want a coffee. Like a good one. Well, oh my god, and now. also it's Starbucks like pumpkin latte, spice pumpkin latte season. Oh it is. I'm gonna go to Starbucks. Fair enough. Alright. Well, as excited <laughs> as we are for the week ahead, how about the week that's been, guys? I mean, a lot's happened. A lot has <laughs> we happened. Have had... A lot has happened. Um, including um, the grand final was last week for us. The time we're in, in fact, this podcast was being released as the grand final was being played. That happened last week. God, that's almost like the smallest thing that happened. Yeah, this I know. Week. That's why I thought I'd mention it. In, in, um, Isn't that worrying? Yeah, I thought I'd Can mention it. Can I just it say? Its, its I have no idea who played because I just did not. There was so much else going on, and I was like prepping for a picnic for mon- on Monday. Pan- I have no idea. Panthers who beat the bunnies fourteen twelve. Yep. That's all it is. Oh, is that like okay? So I was walking to Marrickville Metro, which is around, yep. like nearby where I live, um, and on Juliet Street, Phil, you know the one yep. where we like yeah. There was a massive house decked out in rabbitos gear, and I was just staring <laughs> at it that. like. That, I was like, why have you done this to your house? We're that not even feeling, in- though, that, that, that that's feeling, just the eastern suburbs. The feeling of joy <laughs> before the event and the feeling of just sadness as you have to take that shit down after a loss. Brilliant. They, they did a massive deck out. Like, I'm talking about they, there was a tree outside their house and they wrapped that in red and green. Yeah, well, now... Were they, were they taking it down or was it all still there? No, no, no. It was all still there. I went on Saturday. Or was it I wonder if I can go get a chair and sit and watch them take it down Last. and just have a little giggle. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> take anyway us away. so New South Wales has taken a hit this week as both our Premier and Deputy Premier have quit after ICAC pressure became too much on Friday the 1st of October and then again on Monday the 4th of October. Hang on, just quickly. Uh, ICAC quickly are you calling it the... I mean, sorry, sorry, sorry. Are you calling it the <laughs> Premier or the Premier? It's premier, isn't it? It's premier, not premiere. Look, this I'm isn't dyslexic. the debut of a movie. Shut up! I'm dyslexic. 
continue. continue. <laughs> and, I've, and if you if you actually look at all Guys, the notes, you're I've missing read, the point. Let's get joyous about this. I've written premiere everywhere, though. <laughs> I have. just realised what I I've done. <laughs> get excited. I well, okay. So I was excited, but then we'll continue on because we'll, we'll go to why I'm not yes. excited. So ICAC yes. has now begun an investigation into the conduct of Berejiklian. Gladys Berejiklian was our premiere, by the way. Premiere? Premiere. Pre- yep. premier. Uh, premier. And John Barillaro was the deputy premier. Um, Among other things. Yeah. Um, but ICAC has now begun formal investigation into the conduct of Berejiklian between 2012 and 2018, specifically into her involvement in grants handed to the Australian Clay Target Association in 2016 yep. and 2017 and the Riviana Conservatorium of Music in Wagga Wagga in 2018, of which her then boyfriend Wagga Wagga MP Daryl Maguire was a de- direct beneficiary of. Yep. Um, at the same time, Deputy Minister John Barillaro, who we have spoken Boo. about before in this, uh, on this podcast, in the specific case against YouTube personality friendly Geordies, a.k.a. Jordan Shanks, has also quit citing the mental stress, citing yep. mental stress and just, you know, I'm fatigued and done with this job. Um, however, rumours have it that he is ICAC bound too, specifically whether or not he misused his MP powers to go after Shanks, as well as other multiple, multiple other accusations of the misuse of funds in regional New South Wales. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, and by Paul, the way, Paul, by the way, just quickly, ICAC does stand for the Independent Commissioner Against Corruption, just if anyone's wondering what ICAC stands for. Independent Commissioner Against Corruption. Continue. Against Corruption. Yes. It is a New South Wales only board. board. It doesn't exist in other states or federally, which we can also get onto. But last bit of information, Paul Toole and Dominic Peredit have replaced Berallaro and Berejiklian, both of whom are more conservative than their predecessors, which is why I'm a bit concerned... Mm -hmm about all of this, but New South Wales is next going into an election in 2023 and are coming out of lockdown in the next fortnight as we discussed. So boys, what do we think? And how do you think this is going to affect our next election as our last premier, 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 I can't say it now. I'm th- overthinking it now. Premier. Anyway. Yep. Who finished their full term was Bob Carr. Wow. I can't believe that. Jeez. Was it not Yemma? Did Yemma not do a full term? Did he not get... Like, he... No, because Bob Carr r- retired. Yemma Bob took Carr over. retired. Yemma took over, went to the next election, won it, and then was replaced so, by... So, so Bob Carr did a full term, then was re-elected, and then re- uh, retired. Then retired. it was Yemma... Then he won an election. Then before the next election, Christina Keneally took over. Then yep. Keneally won an election, I think. No, Keneally then, lost the 20th. No, yeah, Keneally. she lost the election. Sorry. Yeah, Keneally lost the election. Barry then O'Farrell Then she moved to federal. It. And we've had liberal MPs since. That it was O'Farrell, uh, Baird. Mike Baird. And then Gladys. Baird. And the last three premiers... Have had to resign as a result of corruption. Uh, but you know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? Because of ICAC. I, I can't stand the Liberal Party, but at the same time, I would have rathered the Liberal Party. I've, they've done a couple of things that I hate um, the stadium thing, selling of the power company, West Connects. 
cannot stand. I don't mind West Connects. I hate the tax. Oh, sorry, the um toll on West Connects. But the fact that we're paying for something that was already paid. Correct. For. That's what I hate. But having said that, I do think that for the most part, the Liberal government in New South Wales has done a good job. Um, they have. They have done a good job. And I've liked um, Barry O'Farrell. I've liked Mike Baird. And I've liked Gladys Berejiklian. And the three of them are corrupt. And I still would rather have these three <laughs> than have had the Labour people. Yep. Because Labour are just I... such a lost cause and it's ridiculous. But having Perrottet in... Perite being a, um, it's funny because I said to Drew, I hope he's, I hope he wins it because he looks pathetic. Now he's won it, so now let's see how pathetic he really is. But he's a Trump supporter. He's um, very, ah! he's a very devout Catholic. Ah! Philip, you said it. Yes. <laughs> anyway, you're gonna, you guys can come up with my punishment for next week. He's, oh, we will. He's a former administration supporter. He's <laughs> done. We go to giggles after this. He's That's a <laughs> wrap, wrap it up. We can't continue. He's a he's it a con- he's a, so he's, well. a, he's a conservative. What's looking for, guys? He's a, I thought you was gonna say a conquistador. <laughs> he's a he's a far right. Catholic. Yeah, he's a far right Christian. Um, yeah. who's very lets his. See, here's the thing. I don't care if you're a religious person in politics. It's the fact if you let your religion rule your politics that I have a problem with Um, because obviously we come from a multicultural (laughs) Australia. But also, guys... In fact, in New South Wales specifically, we have a department called Multicultural New South Wales. Yes. So... But but can I just say say really quickly... um, uh, it's actually off topic, but um, fuck, I can't believe I said it. Yeah, I know. I can't yeah. believe that happened. <laughs> anyway, whatever. <laughs> On with the show. Yes. Um, so Dominic- I, I uh, even Tool, Paul Tool is fairly conservative. Mm. I mean, you, you got to remember the National mm. Party is conservative. Um, yep. Both of them seem like interesting, weird choices because I don't yep. see Paratet winning an election. Um, yeah, but 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 who's the alternative? The Labour guy. Labour's not going to win shit. Well, what's see, the here's name the of thing. the Labour leader? I don't even know what his name is. And, I actually and, don't know either. To be and honest, I don't know anything about them, and I don't care about anything about them. He, here's the thing, though: if Jody McKay had still been elected. Jodie McKay was forced to step down because of a Labour's bill. Yeah, I think it should have been her. Yep. I knew if who she Jody was. If Jodie McKay was still pre- um, leader <laughs> of the opposition, I think going into the next election, Labour would have won. Yeah, but the but, problem was the, the the media didn't let her kind of... They kind of preyed on the whole thing of like, nah, who are you? We don't like you. You're out kind of thing. And then we got whoever this person is. I don't know anything about this guy at all. I, I genuinely mm. have no idea who it I is. I don't know his I, name. I mean it. I don't know uh, his name. Mins. Anyway. Chris Mins. Anyway, let's see what happens. Um, yeah, we've got a new premiere. He sounds sadly like Minch. Hmm? Okay. Yep. I, was, I said Chris Mins. Sadly sounds like Chris Minge. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, on with the show. Facebook, God, Instagram, sure. and WhatsApp went down this week. This yep. week, the social media giants had a power outage. 
the outage which prevented users from refreshing their feeds and sending messages and Earlier on in the thing, just actually sending photos through Messenger, me and Philip realized we both had the same issue earlier on in the day, um, yep. was caused by configuration changes on the backbone routers. John Arden, who was works at uh, Facebook, said, uh, the changes caused issues that interrupted the flow of traffic between routers in Facebook data center around the world. The disruption to the network traffic and a cas- had a cascading effect on the data center's communication, bringing our services to a halt, um, said the representative. Thankfully, we were on the side of the world that was asleep during that, so it it only affected us for about an hour or two. (laughs) Yep, exactly. It wasn't really our problem. Um, You know, I think think if those that um, from around the world that did notice that there was a drop in content on our Facebook page, um, don't worry, it wasn't (laughs) us. It was Facebook as a whole. It wasn't just our, um, our Facebook page with all none of our posts. Yep. Well, our Facebook page <laughs> definitely suffered some oh, loss suffered. there. Oh, suffered, yeah. suffered. Absolutely. That's gonna um, h- work hard mm-hmm. to get those I know. likes back. I know. What a, what those a shame. like back. Anyway, onto <laughs> the like. one onto the topic that I actually thought was going to bring up a slip in tongue of yeah. the former administration. Yep. Was literally just an article that popped up in the last hour. Uh, Michael Pence revealed that. He had a discussion with the president of the former administration or the former administration's president. I don't know how that works. The former former administrator. Yeah, the former administrator. The former administrator. And uh, he revealed that he spoke to him and said that they talked through their differences after January's deadly capital insurrection, which saw rioters pursue the former vice president and threatened to hang him. Um, I just find this so what? stupid. Michael Pence was like, yeah, look, you can't spend almost five years in a political foxhole with somebody without developing a strong relationship. And, you know, January 6th was a tragic day in the history of our Capitol building. But thanks to the efforts of Capitol Hill police, federal officials and Capitol, the Capitol was secured. We finished our work and the president and I sat down a few days later and talked all of it through. So they're on good terms, apparently. Uh, Mr. Pence added that, him and the former administrator had parted amicably at the end of the administration. And we've talked a number of times since we both left the office. How much of that do you think is bullshit? <laughs> yep. All of it. I don't think there was, I don't it makes think... me wonder if they're going to run together again. No, I don't think so. I think that, I don't that think so. Pence is done. Pence is done. He won't get a, another shot. And, um, the former administrator or the former administration, <laughs> if he goes again, um, he would, I don't know if he'll be able to do it as a Republican, but we'll see. I don't know. I I, I, I just think that it's all... Um, I think he'll do it as an independent. Oh, well, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Because, I mean... I don't think it'll go well, but I think he'll do it. No, I know. I know, because... It's... What I don't understand is he can't leave Florida. How is he going to go around the country getting the votes and meeting the people? Is he just going to do the whole thing via correspondence from Florida? Uh, are you talking about the former administrator can't leave Florida? Yeah. Why is that again? Is it because he's wanted now? <laughs> In pretty well every other state. Yeah. yeah it's, look, every or, or every other state will extradite him to a state where there are criminal charges against him. Florida is the only state that won't. Correct. Look, I, I, I think that he's... I think that he's um, got a good chance of winning still with a bunch of 
psychopaths in the rest of America. But yeah, I, I don't think it'll be as a Republican. Oh my! God. I I don't know if as a Republican, I, I don't think they'll let him run as again as a Republican. And I think if no. they did, they would need a a stronger representative than um, Pence to be and vice Pence, president. And it's crazy because Pence was a pretty right wing kind of you know nut job kind of guy, but still he's not going to be mm. enough to offset. Um, well, well, actually, that's not that's not true. I actually think they need someone less right wing nut job than than what Pence was because they need to balance out the absolute batshittery that is the former former administrator and Pence. You know, they they need someone to offset that because you can't go much more batshit than that. I I don't know. I think um, I think there needs to be. Well, okay, look, this is... I, I don't know if they're going to let him run again legally. I, I feel like even the Republican Party, even the factions of the Republican Party who support him mm. are supporting him outwardly but don't want him back. Yeah, well, for sure, they don't uh, lose probably the, the Republican the, vote, but they don't want mm. him. With probably, like, the exception of Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's an absolute... Mm. Ap- I don't know what the fuck Proper is wrong with her. She, yeah, no. It, it if it was like in the seventies, she probably would have been committed, or the CIA would have dropped enough LSD in her drink that she would <laughs> have to be committed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene was probably one of the few exceptions of people who actually support him. But funnily enough, I was watching Law and Order, the original series, the other day because I'm watching it in celebration of the original, the new series mm. returning. Um, mm. And in one of the early episodes, um, what's former administrator's lawyer's name again? Rudy. Rudy Giuliani, yeah. Because he was yep. a he was the mayor of New York, yep. he shows up in Law and Order in season ten. Um to like they because they, they have a fair amount of politicians, New York politicians, famous ones, who used to show up on the show. To like, especially in the like, uh, the the judges' offices and all that, like the law firms and all that, to give the show a bit more of a credibility. So the, cred- mm. the, the people used to go to the go to New York to see, watch them filming and stuff. Um, so yeah, like he shows up. So does Adam Schiff, and like a whole bunch of these politicians just show up randomly. Even um, current president, whose name I can't remember. Why? I don't know. It just left my brain. Biden. Yeah. Sorry. Crap. That just went weird. Well, he forgot. He forgot um, our prime minister's name. So I guess it's fair. That's true. Um, I think he forgets a lot of things. um, Biden showed up in SVU only like three, four years ago. So like, it's interesting to me that Mm. they're all, they all show up in the world. Anyway. It is. Yes. Anyway, um, let's. We're gonna head over to our commercial now because we've got the bond reviews next, and um, I've got to recover from saying the forbidden. So, um, yeah. Oh God, <laughs> I just not recovered from that. So, let's go to our commercial. All right. Ever feel like that dream house is out of your league? Well, then it's time to come on down to Home Run Houses. Come pitch your dream home to us and let us swing for the fences on your behalf. 
home run houses. Get to home base with us. And we're back. Right, so, guys, we're back to Bond. Mm -hmm. And the best part is... Sorry. No more. More. Thank goodness. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I look. Uh, I, I have to say that it was a different sort of um, burnout from um, kind of um, Connery. Yeah, from Connery. It was a different kind of burnout, but nonetheless burnout. Um, and I was ready for something new. I was ready for something different. Um, mm-hmm. I I've probably heard the least amount about the Dalton films. I can say that I've never seen a single moment of screen time of it ever. Um, I didn't even know what Timothy Dalton looked like, um, and uh, but then to to watch them was refreshing, really uh, refreshing. What a great way to go into it! I think um, the burnout from Moore was that despite Moore's age at the end, I think Moore had the potential occasionally to be a good Bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, the, the the need to make Bond this jokey character just constantly left yeah. Moore's portrayal falling flat. Yeah, and, and le- left us, you know, wanting. You know, we Sean, wanted more. Sean Connery was a <laughs> yeah. bad Bond, but he was consistently bad, which made the burnout from him just, okay. But we were given these little, like, nuggets of oh this was a good such a good moment and this was so good and then uh and then it just kept it yeah it was just a weird maturing phase plus we knew that this next phase was coming up for the last four of them and it was like yeah okay Mm. what i find also crazy is just that uh, that you know the the best thing about a about a um a character refresh is that we you're able to completely change the tone and the tone changed. Mm. It wasn't as stupid and silly as the more ones. Um, it was a lot more. I think, uh, Bianca, you mentioned it off air before we recorded, but but I've got this as one of my notes. I said, um, I said Bond seems more chill. Um, he's not as arrogant. I also said um, this feels more emotional in terms of depth and heart um, than the others. Mm. It's a little bit more sappy, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, and it's a very 80s thing as well. Um, I said that... Um, uh, I said that the Craig films, the Daniel Craig films, seem to be a little bit more like this. It feels more like this I than it does. I felt that yeah. too. Yeah, like I can see the yeah. connection between these ones and the Craig films, but it's not. It's it. It kind of it changes its tone when it gets to Brosnan, um, and these ones are the ones that feel a lot like the Craig films. Um, there's uh, it's quite sensible. Um, there's actually a lot of espionage, and he's very much a secret agent. Not a rubbing shoulders with the rich and the famous, um, and everyone knows who he is. He seems more like he's an undercover guy or just a regular guy doing the job. Um, it's it's more interesting from that point of view. That yeah, it's not like he's winking at the audience every time he says he's a secret agent. Well, you say that, but let's quickly go into the thing, and then I'll I'll mention my winking thing, which freaked me out. Yes, <laughs> let's let's go, James. <laughs> the summary right. of James Bond this movie: Liv- yeah. The Living Daylights. Yeah. The Living Daylights. James Bond is sent to investigate a KGB policy to kill all enemy spies and uncovers an arms deal that potentially has major global ramifications. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? That is the movie. It is the movie. There is no question whatsoever that that is the plot of the film. And guess what? 
I followed along in this movie and I knew what happened. Well, oh. as we said before, you know, to, to ourselves, there's no Fabergé egg this time. Yes. yes. Spanner in the works. <laughs> Spanner in the works or Fabergé egg in the, on the screen. Mm. I, I kept watching this movie. It was sad in a way because I was watching this movie trying to find the silly hook. Mm. But the fact that this, you know, from start to finish felt like a spy film. It felt like this is a spy's mission. Um, it, it just, it, yeah, this one I could realistically see as MI6 called in a double O agent mm. to complete this mission. It wasn't the Fabergé egg. It wasn't, you know, no. James Bond's random, uh, who was the guy? Goldfinger. Mm. That Goldfinger plot made, is the worst one to me. It seriously makes no sense. <laughs> like this No, it does make no sense. Yeah, like it I yeah, I can't this was a proper spy film and I really enjoyed mm. that and I really enjoyed the the whole thing of as you said, I could see Daniel Craig's Bond come mm. straight out of this. Mm. It's gritty. You know you know what I also loved about this? There was one Bond girl. Yes. That was a pretty yeah. good too. Yep. We were introduced was- to her in the basically the first scene and we stuck with them and kind of the stories kind of paralleled for a while and then intercepted and then stayed together for the rest of the movie. Like it was, it just, it made more se- Like there was character development on both sides. You know, mm. it wasn't just there's a girl, Bond's going to sleep with her, that's it, who cares? No, we got some development from her as well. That was, that was refreshing. Yeah. Also, speaking of the different characters... You could see what was happening with the bad guys more in this film. Like, you mm. saw this whole thing from every angle. You saw um, Bond, you know, he had to save this KGB agent and then you see him kidnapped, but then you see what he's actually doing, which is he's in bed with the bad guys and you see his development and you see... Like, you can see it from every angle. And I feel like this is the first Bond movie that fully fleshed out all of those angles in a non-stupid way. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It, like, it had some... some yeah. Again, it, it, was, it was detailed. Like, it was detailed about the reasons these people were... You know, we're, we're hitting the prime time of, of... And what I found with, with movies in general, where they took it seriously and they almost over-engineered stories or overwrote stories... But I like that, as in every detail is kind of fleshed out and nutted out and there's logic and reason behind everything and everyone's a real person, so there's depth behind them and that sort of thing. So there's real kind of care put into each character and I really appreciate that and that's what we're seeing from yeah films of, of, of this time. Um, and definitely, though, Living Daylights was such a good um, introduction to a new Bond and, and it's, I mean, it's already, I'm already, you know, after seeing the first one, I already felt kind of disappointed that we're only going to have one more because, man, there should have been so much more of this. Like, we're missing something. Um, I also wrote that I was, um, uh, what did I say? I said that uh, it was strange hearing Aha uh-huh with a Bond song. Um, that was cool. <laughs> and uh, I also said as a note that um, the American Army General guy, you know, the guy that was um, in bed with the KGB officer, um, or, or guy, um, looked like Drew's yeah. dad. What? Yeah, he looked like your dad. <laughs> yeah. I've never met your dad. Oh no. Also, yeah, I know no. I said. I think I earlier I said 
uh, Living Daylights was my least favorite Bond song. That's wrong. It's License to Kill. That's my least I, favorite I agree. Bond song. License to Kill. Yeah. I said that too. I said it's a terrible song in my notes. It <laughs> is. Kill. Yeah, but that was a brilliant movie. Should we get to our scores? Yep. Before we do, I have one. Oh, yes. Uh, no, in fact, give us a couple. Give us a couple. Go hit us. Sorry, we kind of just took that over. We got very excited. That's it. Very excited. That's okay. Do- I don't know if you guys notice, I actually go quite quiet during the reviews because I actually love hearing what you guys have to say about seeing these yeah. films because I've seen them all God knows how many times. So I just want to hear you guys well, well, talk just about also, it. Also, this is one of the few films that I re- very distinctly remember watching as a kid, but I will say yeah. that I don't remember what happened as a kid. Like, I remember watching it. I remember the scenes mm. as we were watching them or as I was watching them, yep. but- I couldn't remember the specific plot, but that's because I just took it in with a kid's gaze. But that's fine. Yeah, this one I really remember is what I'm getting to. That's good. Um, All right, I'm going to hit you with a couple of things. Um, One of them is not on here because it's my bit of trivia. Um, First of all, Sam Neill auditioned for Bond for this role. And while everyone was impressed with him, Albert R. Broccoli was not completely sold. Imagine imagine having Sam Neill as Bond. But at the same time, Cubby Broccoli also offered Christopher Reeve a million dollars to come and play Bond. Really? And if he'd accepted, he would have been the only American to play the role. Yeah, I don't yeah, see that. I actually don't see that. I, w- I would have preferred Sam Neill. That would have been amazing. Oh, imagine Sam Neill. Oh, oh. wild. Um, as for Timothy Dalton, they've been courting him for Bond since the late 60s. He turned down the role because he thought he was too young. Right after Connery, they 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 wanted him for On a Majesty's Secret Service. Imagine if but he it, thought he was too young. Imagine if it had been him, essentially, the whole way and through. And then they also looked at him again for Diamonds Are Forever, and he turned it down again for the same reason. He was also looked at uh, for... For your eyes only, but at the time they didn't have a complete script, so he knocked it back. And then they offered it again for Octopussy and A View to a Kill, and he knocked both of those back because he had previous commitments. I feel like I'm happy that even though we could have had him for longer, I'm happy that it happened now because clearly the writing team changed between Mm. the previous movie, which I can't remember, A View to a Kill. Uh, A View to a Kill and... uh, Yep. Living Daylights, there was clear writing changes and we, we, we talked about the Bond format a few times. Hmm. This does not hit it. This is not that Bond format hmm. that... This is the new Bond th- That Roald Dahl had to write to. Yeah, this hmm. is a new format and this is the first time in all the series where I can distinctly see the change in narrative through the decades. Yep. Because yeah. they've probably, the last few films probably didn't do as well as they thought they were going to do. Mm. And if you compare it to other 80s films and how other 80s films were tracking in progress, like how stories were written and shown and mm. thing, you can see that they sat there and were like, yep, nope, something's got to change. And this is what they produced. Absolutely. Yep. Um, let's get to scores um, then, perhaps. Drew? I'm going to give you one last bit of trivia Sorry, first. Continue. Yeah. It's okay. Um, now, I've read the book mm-hmm. of The Living Daylights because it, it was a short story that was um, published with Octopussy. The two of them were always published together. They still are. The entirety of the story is the opening sequence of the movie where he doesn't shoot her. And that's it. Oh, cool. 
that's it. The book actually ends after he shoots her weapon instead of her. I like and the it, um, twist to it. Though. That's how the book ended. Mm. So they expanded on a short story. The bulk of the movie is expanded off of that concept. Uh, and as you also said, Drew, it's the last Bond film to use an original Ian Fleming title until Casino Royale in 2006, a gap of almost 20 years. I like that. Yep. Um, All right. So down to scores. scores um, I gave it personally an eight. I really enjoyed this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Living Daylights. Yep. I thought it was, um, again, for all the reasons that we've mentioned already, um, enough said. Um, and number seven, uh, sorry, and I gave it a seven, technically. Um, again, it's a complete refresh on the series, um, complete change for from what we were used to or, or from what we've had before. So, yeah, it gets a seven for me because it's, it's improving on a storied franchise. So, yeah, seven. Mm-hmm. Bianca? I am going to give it a... Uh, I was thinking an eight and a seven, eight for uh, personal enjoyment and seven for technical, the same as Phil, but technical, I I wanted to give it more, but I went and watched um, Lethal Weapon, I think, after I watched these two, which Lethal Weapon came out around the same time. I think it came out, I think it came out of the same year as the other movie, the... um, the one that we're about to look at. License to Kill. License to Kill, yes. Um, Yep. (laughs) Brain fart. Um... If you go and watch them, I've spoken about this before, their reliance on sets just mm, does mm. age it. You yep. Like, Lethal Weapon does not look nearly as old in comparison to this movie. Um, yep. And it's just because of the way they filmed it and their addiction to using these sets. I'm cool mm. with that, but I think that um, they, they should have been a bit more ahead of the times. So what's your score going to sit at? R7 for technical. So, and personal? Uh, personal, eight. Mm-hmm. As I said, yeah. So, eight and seven, same as Philip? Yep. Well, guys, I uh, hate to break a set, so I'm actually giving it exactly the same <laughs> thing as well. Brilliant. Eight on the personal, seven on the technical. I didn't think it brought anything new to the game. I thought it just was what it was. Mm-hmm. But it but it was... But personally, I, I love that film. Great movie. It is a great movie. It is. It's a, it, again, it's a total refresh, and it's... Um, it feels like it's bringing it into modern times, the movie. Like, I can't believe mm. the, the seismic shift between the previous and then this one. It's just such a seismic shift. So, yeah, it's um, yeah worthy of those scores for sure. Um, let's go now to um, the next film. That's License to Kill. Yep. So, License to Kill. Mm-hmm. After capturing a drug lord, Felix Leiter is left for dead and his wife is murdered. James Bond goes rogue and seeks vengeance on those responsible as he infiltrates an organization posing as a hitman. Yes. Now, um, it's funny. I was kind of frightened of the first half of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, reason being is that theme song was completely different as in it sounded completely different as an intro the, the very, very intro 80s whatnot. wasn't it but not yeah, in, it, but it not lost, not in the same way no it, it it lost the like the strings the do 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 just before it goes into the do 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 like that part like mm. it, it, it kind of it just sounded very different did you um, notice the digital drum yeah i was wondering what that was i was like there's yeah. something in here that hurts my ears it's a digital yeah, drum. Yeah, very nice. 
I don't know why they did that, but anyway, I guess they're trying everything 80s. Um, yep. I thought that I was kind of scared, and this is a note that I had from the first half of the movie, okay? Just from the first half of the movie. Mm. Um, it feels like a weaker story and a wasted opportunity to build on the strengths of the, the last solid entry, or the solid last entry, I should say. Yep. Um, and then I said, I feel sorry for Bond played by Dalton. Not because it's Dalton, he just feels timid and scared. Um, mm. And then I said it's more dramatic, but more dramatic like a soap opera is dramatic, um, not like a movie. So I said it felt very soap opera-ish. Um, yeah, this film seems to play m- way more like a soap opera. But then it happened. Then it happened. I said, clever switcheroo. Bond's cover worked better because he was captured. Mm. Um, so the film very quickly shifted and became brilliant. So yeah, I look, I, I can't argue. I feel like a lot of Bond's serial formula came back into this one. Like they tried to input some of the old serial formatting into that. And I feel like it's because there was a small backlash to the previous film because it seemed that Bond had to rely on so many people to get the job done. But in his defense, mm-hmm. Bond had already already relied on a lot of people to get the job done. Um, we just, yep. you know, didn't see it as much. But this movie, I really liked Q's involvement. Yep. Yeah. So did I. The yeah. Uncle. And I also yeah the uncle. And then I I also really liked the fact that we we actually did see Bond outside of. MI6 in this one and it kind of gave us a reason as to why Bond is an agent yeah yeah exactly right look I mean again I I um talking about the first half I didn't really know who the hell the friend was I didn't know if I was supposed to know who they were and I didn't know no no okay so me neither and then I went and looked him up and Felix Lysa has been in like a lot of the movies his yeah. character has been in legitimately a lot of the movies. I didn't know. He's who... even in Doctor No. Which one? Yep. Uh, and he's played by Jeffrey Wright in the Daniel Craig movies. So he's the same mm-hmm. character as Jeffrey Wright. Oh, yeah. really? Of course it's Felix. I didn't know that. Yep. Felix the CIA guy. It's always Felix. I didn't realize it. I had oh. to look him up. But yeah. So, and he also wasn't played by the same guy in the last movie. Um, in, oh my God, I'm really, The Living Daylights. Daylights. I'm really bad at remembering all their names. He wasn't played (laughs) by the same guy in The Living Daylights, but Timothy Dalton felt he had no chemistry with the actor who played him in Living Daylights. So they brought Hmm. back this actor whose name I don't remember, um, who had previously played Felix with Roger Moore. Really fun fact. No, see, see, I just didn't pay attention to that. And look, whether it's because I found the more films not very interesting, so therefore I didn't really remember a whole lot of details. Um, I don't know, but but I just, I look, I didn't know what I thought was happening. What I honestly thought was happening was the soap opera trick: mm-hmm. introduce a new character to make you feel bad, and like you know, give them a backstory and then kill them off, and then expect you to feel sorry for them or sad for them. I didn't know any. I didn't care about this character for the first half of the movie. I was like, Aww. I don't care about this, and I don't like this Miami Five O. Miami, yeah, Hawaii Five O. Miami Vice, Hawaii Five O. Yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah. I was trying to going to say both and ended up saying them at the same time. Miami Five O. Um, this real, this real kind of um, 
Americana. Yeah, like it's so American. At yeah, and mm. and I got like um, PTSD from um, I can't remember the more one that basically can broke we, my enjoyment of these. But can we all um, appreciate that opening sequence with the plane and the helicopter and oh, the skydive and how well they incredible. shot that? That was really good, yeah, and it kind incredible. of reminded me of Tom Cruise and all of his stunts because you yes. The fact that, and again, I've spoken about this in modern film. The fact that you can see all the CGI kills me mm. and you can see all the CGI sets, it just does my head in a bit. But the fact that this was so in fact, real Bianca, just blew my mind. That was shot, yeah. Yeah, and well, Bianca, but not just that though, but I loved that they didn't shy away from, you know, I don't know how much of that was Dalton and how much wasn't, but they showed a lot of his face up close yeah um, in action doing stuff there, so i it was so much more believable yeah. well there were there were shots of him standing on the plane and you can tell that's not cg'd that there's a plane him. somewhere even if a yeah. crane is holding it up somewhere that's him standing on the plane it was really cool yeah. It was really. You good. know what? Um, I have a book on the making of this film. I'm after we finish this. I'm going to go look in the book and see if there's something about it there. Please, Please do. do give, give um, us feedback. I will. Yeah, I will. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but again, this this movie changed for the absolute mm. better when there was a switcheroo. Bond, who was playing, um, it started getting good as he got to. Uh, I can't remember the country they're in, but basically, as Bond Mexico? entered the um, the casino and and. I don't, didn't they end up? As he entered the casino, he he entered the casino. He um he he um got a hotel room. He then went to the bank, made a large deposit, um started getting kind of the you know the um trying to get himself noticed basically. Um, yeah. And and then again the switcheroo, MI six get involved to try and shut down whatever Bond's up to at the same time. You know, we have was it Hong Kong? Hong Kong police yeah, department. Yep. Or Hong Kong, Hong Kong um, agents or uh, something. Yeah. DA. Yeah, it's like the DA, um, getting involved and everything, and they're both after Bond and like, what are you doing? And then it all goes horribly wrong, but then Bond looks like he's better because he's there captured, and it just oh, no, I loved it. I loved it so much, and then, um, the film stayed good with Bond paying, being basically a us seeing him playing a double agent more. I, I I appreciated seeing him, and I also liked the fact that there were callbacks to the fact that he was married in this one. So you see... Yeah. Um, is his name Della? Yeah, Felix's wife, Della. Is it Della? Yeah. Yeah. She goes and, you know, makes that comment, and then Felix goes, he was married once. And, like... There's that. It, these these are the things that set in the continuation that it is one bond, despite being many actors. Mm. Um, I I also yeah. yes. I was about to say these next three points of mine um, are important that they go together, and try and guess what points of the movies they are. Okay, first one, that is probably the most graphic death in a Bond movie, and then in brackets microwave. Um, oh god! And then and, and, then, and then I said. Um, along with um, piss off being the biggest swear word. Mm-hmm. Um, the next the next point then. Oh, actually, bullshit seems to be the biggest swear word now in a Bond film. Mm-hmm. And then the last point. Okay, now that is probably the most graphic death. The meat grinder. So the first one was the shark <laughs> tank. Then the oh, microwave. Yeah. Then the microwave. <laughs> 
then the then the microwave and then well so we had the shark tank where um can we also talk uh, about felix's leg being ripped off by the shark yeah and then showing it wasn't a death and then there was the microwave scene though where the guy popped in the microwave (sighs) and then that reminded me of kick-ass by the way and then there was um uh then there was del toro in the in the um, in the meat grinder Again, yeah, like I, I look at like the action movies that came out in the eighties. Mm. Die, Die Hard. Hard. Die Hard came out the same movie as oh. this movie. Oh, you missed a death. What about the dude going into the into the tank with the electric eel? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh gee, yeah. Oh, yeah. that used to trip me out as a kid when I saw that. Oh. But I feel like you, again, you watch same years that. Yeah. Die Hard. So you yeah. can again you can see Bond maturing in this. Because mm. Mm. what was mature in the 60s, which was all the sex and, you know, gambling and stuff that Bond did on screen and the fact that he was a heavy drinker but he always had his, kept his wits. It's always a perfect gentleman, kind of, but he raped people. Mm. All of that stuff that was considered mature. But he did it as a gentleman. Yeah, he did it as a gentleman. <laughs> that became less and less mature in the more era. And you really see it in the more era where everything is very tiresome. And then you get to the, mm. this is the late eighties. This is after a lot of civil rights movements and all that happened. I was actually thinking when I was watching this, the fact that the DEA were all led by black cops um, was interesting to yeah. me because, and I think there was like another scene where there was predominantly black police officers that was pretty big for the 80s. Like, there were a lot of things with black cops in it, but it was, like, still not something that was internationally known. And this is an international movie. It was filmed in uh, the UK, but it was filmed by a UK production team, but it was mainly for an American audience. Like, it, mm. it's still very impactful and very big what they were doing and they made it more mature to set with the times is what I'm mm. trying to get at. Absolutely. But yeah. Yeah. Yep, um, my other thing about this movie was the, we were talking about winking before. So mm. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know where from, but I have this recurring memory of a fish winking at a, from a fountain and I could never figure <laughs> out why my imagination would constantly bring it up throughout my life. And it was just something that it was in, you know how like you just have these random flashes of a memory? Always been there. Mm. Didn't realise it was the final scene in this Bond movie. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that that's where it was from. Drew. (laughs) Philip. Drew, do you want to give us a couple of bits of um, trivia about this movie? All right, well, I'll start with with my personal one this time rather than the end of it. Yeah. Um, this movie and and the, the aforementioned book I have is the reason I actually own the whole collection. Mm-hmm. So back in 2006, when Casino Royale was on its way out, they released the Ultimate James Bond DVD collection, two-disc special editions of all the films. And out of all 20 films that were out at the time for some reason i had a book on the making of license to kill and Mm. uh, one of one of the many am radio stations that my wonderful father listens to had a bond trivia contest to win the the box set of all the films and the question was what is the original title of license to kill so 
I've gone running for the book, started flicking through the pages. And remember, this is 06, so internet's not great at this point. So I am relying on the book. I'm flicking through and I'm not seeing anything. And as I'm about to shut the book, I see a clapperboard in there on a picture of a clapperboard. And it just says on it, license revoked. So I've quickly told dad down the phone. He's hung up, called the radio station and we won the box set. That's really cool. Boom. Yeah. Well done. And that was linked to this film. Yes. While you were reading that, I just read one of the, I read one of the the notes. (laughs) Read it out loud, please. Do you know which one it is that I'm sighing at or frustrated with? The first one? <clears throat> no. Okay. Budget restraints were imposed <laughs> as the producers were still paying interest on the overspending of Moonraker. I was just reading that. Oh, give me a break. Oh, God. Why? I, I also feel like that's the reason why there is a big jump between this film and the next film. I had that in my head. It's that one has of- to be. One of many, there were, there were, there are quite a few reasons for that jump. Um, my favorite, my favorite bit of trivia in here is actually that at 21 years old, Benicio del Toro is the youngest actor to play a villain in a James Bond film. I mean, this is just from my point of view, but God, he was attractive. You guys can comment as you wish. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I was just like, yep. Benicio del Toro is an excellent Thanks. Cool. I, I like that him and current Felix actor Jeffrey Wright are currently acting together in Marvel's What If on Disney. Yes, yes, they are. I didn't even think about that. I I also really like the note that um, you said throughout... Uh, no, 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 that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for... I missed it. Where is it? Um, no, I can't find where it is. I'm looking. Oh yeah, of all the Bond films, this one has the largest role for Desmond Llewellyn in as Q. Okay, Q was my favorite part of this movie. Llewellyn, Llewellyn, you're right. It is. Um, and I, I, who, I, I know that I know the guy who plays Q now. Like I can see him in my head, but I can't remember yep. his name. Um, Desmond Llewellyn. No, no, the current Q. From oh Ben Whishaw, yeah, him yes, I I yeah. kind of miss Q being this old like g- nerdy guy, mm. which is weird. When's it John Cleese? Um, the world is not enough. He plays R, and then he becomes Q in Die Another Day. Right. Yeah. Okay. I. Yeah. So we're almost there. Two weeks. Two, yeah. yeah. Almost there. Two weeks. And yeah. We can look, talk this about was. It. <laughs> Yeah, let, let's get to our scores now because we're um, running out of time. Yes, uh, please. So um, what I'm going to say is, no, that's okay. Um, before I get to my scores, I've written, ultimately, Timothy Dalton should have had Moore's last two films and therefore had four films. Mm. He is, to me, the second best Bond so far, either tied or second to Lazenby. I'm not sure where I, I feel. I think this is the most refreshing or most excited I felt about Bond films. Uh, before we get to our scores, can I ask, do you good. think that some of your, and, and this is me to me and Drew as well, do you think some of mm-hmm. our appreciation for Lazenby and Dalton comes out of the fact that their movies were so far different from Connery and then more? I think a portion of it is, but at the same time, thinking back over the way we've discussed and reviewed it, it hasn't been that we've loved it because it is the antithesis of those actors or those um, 
those stories per se, but it's it's what they did with the characters themselves and their it's performances. The way they it. Yeah. It yeah. it was very much about their individual performance, not the fact that they weren't those people or those Correct. movies. I also think that Correct. I it's also so think Lazenby and Dalton's Bond had more of more opportunities to play um, I a think more, not an emotional bond, but a, a, not a sensitive bond either, yeah. but a dynamic bond. Like their bonds f- seem to have repercussions to their actions. Them and I them agree. and Craig feel like the closest to Ian Fleming's books. Yeah, and, and yeah. I think that I, I think that that is very necessary to the story. I'm very excited for mm-hmm. next week with Pierce Brosnan because I actually really mm-hmm. like Pierce mm-hmm. Brosnan. I think he's the perfect mix of campy and serious but yeah and he's suave yeah, there's definitely yeah. more camp there's definitely more camp and there is yeah. more suave okay um scores bianca do you want to go f- do you want to go first with your scores uh, you my scores are again i'm gonna give it seven and eight because technically it did nothing better or worse than any of the other films in my opinion um but the story was great and I enjoyed it and I could follow it along and it actually made sense as a story. It was a revenge story and it wasn't a specific spy story, but it made sense that this spy's best friend in the spy world was harmed and so he went after the person who harmed it. Yep, Philip. Yep. Uh, I said personally seven. Look, the first half um, scared me a bit or put me off a little bit, uh, but the second half picked it up brilliantly and, and um, really came together. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it wasn't, in fact, as Bianca said, it wasn't a spy movie, but um, still a good movie nonetheless. Um, and technically, I gave it a six. I said in 1989, it's the same year that Die Hard had come out. Um, this movie isn't the same by any means, uh, but it's definitely lacking um, to its action in some ways, but also its storytelling. Um, um, is it arrogance or just laziness that the Bond films develop slower than other films of its time? That was my finishing note. And that's why it scored a six because I of that last like point. I feel like it's because of Moonraker. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, potentially. But again, yep. that's, that's my last point is that because again, think of, of Die Hard came out of nothing. This movie's in a series and it's it feels like it's hmm. a beast, a slower beast. Drew, your scores. I gave it seven and seven. Um, I, I really like it and, and it holds a special place for me in the series. Uh, I, I don't think technically it brings much to it, but I do like what they do with what they've got. And there are certain sequences that I think do bump it to that seven. Um, enjoyment, yeah, seven. Not quite the level of the predecessor, but still bloody good. But yeah, completely agree. that's us for Bond okay. for this week. Next week, we will see you back for Brosnan. But until then, let's get to our What the Quote. And now it's time for this week's What the Quote. Uh, Drew, do you have the quote from last week? Indeed I do. It goes, Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Yes, indeed. And that is from, as Drew said last week, one of his favourite people, John Lennon. I like that. I like the uh, quote. I like the whole meaning behind it. Uh, But... Uh, Phil, you actually have the quote for this week, don't you? I do, actually. Here it is. Let me just get it out of my pocket. <sighs> it is, um, <laughs> two things are infinite. The universe and human stupidity. And I'm not sure about the universe. <laughs> of course. 
don't mind me, I like that quote a lot. Um, if you do know where that quote is from, please reach out to us on any of the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know the drill. Anyway, on with the show. Okay, um, so some weeks ago, uh, three I think, Apple had their keynote. Now, um, seeing that Apple is one of this podcast's kind of go-to subjects. Um, they should be our sponsors. It. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Given that um, everything but, we do is on Apple. <laughs> well, ex- exactly. That is that is true too. We use Apple technology for everything that we do. Um, mm-hmm. But, but um, seeing as we didn't talk about it then, we thought we would finally talk about it now um, and we take up some of the valuable time um, that, you know, something a little bit more pressing um, or breaking or generally more important could have had. Um, instead, we're going to talk about Apple. So good plan, I think. Good plan. Good job. Mm. 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 Very good plan. Yep. Yep. Uh, so um, yes. let's now discuss the important subject matter of the Apple keynotes, which they called California Streaming. Mm-hmm. Breaking my, news. <laughs> like my that. biggest problem, there were no colored laptops announced. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I should just give up on wanting a colored laptop. <laughs> I'm tempted because my laptop is dead, which has made recording this podcast really hard. But what they did have were the iPhone 13, the Apple Watch Series 7, and the iPad Mini. I want yeah. them all. I want them now. Okay. Yeah. Could, can I just point out, though, that the colored iMacs were not announced until earlier this year in April, May. So, personally, I didn't expect the there to be a colored MacBook announcement here at all. Well, I, no. I never for a second thought that was going to happen. I was expecting that to come next year, early next year. Well, no, actually, um, Macs are actually, MacBooks are normally updated in November. Um, the phone is usually updated in September, October, and then the phone is updated. The, the Macs, MacBooks are updated a little bit later in the year. So it is, they're having, they have another streaming event coming up um, at the end of November, the okay, last so, week. So and it that's what everyone's expected it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, all right. Well, I, I, I would I, hang I'm out for whining. that if I were you. I'm whining, but I'm, I'm going to wait until November because <laughs> the minute I buy a MacBook, yeah. the colored ones will be announced and I will be infinitely destroyed. I, th- um, I think I think you should hang out for it personally. Yeah, that's I okay. will. But but look, I, are we all in agreement that the while the lack of colored laptops is sad, like the iPhone thirteen was pretty meh, and mm-hmm. like you know, it, uh, on top of that, like the Apple Series seven watch, like. Mm. It does seem like a small jump, although I, I must say I'm really impressed with the screen stretching. I, I know it's a little thing, but man, like, it's cool to see. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're sitting here with our Series 2 watches, so the, the Apple three. Watch Series 7 sounds really bloody <laughs> good. And also, iPad yeah, I Mini, like... I, I, I said this today. I was like, didn't didn't they already have an iPad mini? Isn't this already a thing? Yeah. I don't understand look, why I, that's a big deal here. I, look, I could agree with that. Um, I mean, look, the iPhone, iPhone 13 is, it's kind of keeping up with um, the tradi- uh, tradition of, you know, iPhones where it's big hype, little change. Um, the Apple Watch is, 
basically doing the same as what the iPhone is in terms of big hype, little jump. Um, the iPad mini, yeah, it's an update to an existing category and I think the category is pointless because we have phablets. Um, so mm. I just don't think there needs to be one yet. Again, as we've said, I would happily still have one. I would love to have one. Um, so, so I think I think though that that if we look at it, um, do you think that the iPad Mini has enough of a market for what Apple's looking to do? I mean, I, mean, I, I guess it does because Apple is making it. But I think the iPad Mini, because I have the iPad twelfth gen. 20 inch pro. pro whatever um which i i'm using now to record this and i use to mostly um do a lot of my graphics works on yeah from what i've saw of the mini it's mostly an update to the pro level kind of thing it's not quite at the pro level but mm. what just- what the pro offered last year that it could do that the minis and the airs couldn't do. Hmm. The minis and airs kind of now do this year. Yeah, do you get like what I it's mean? Definitely, it's definitely brought the mini up to being where it kind of should be. And I guess then there is the, the traditional iPad, which is more in keeping with the original, what the iPad was. But um, whereas the iPad Pros and Air and now mini are more encroaching on the MacBook kind of territory. But anyway, um, yeah. they're becoming well, almost well, fully fledged computers on there in their own right in some way but yeah look i mean I, I don't know i guess the ipad mini does have a place um but what about this idea of the the small tech jump um and and small jump in features do you think that's fair that there's this i mean apple can do whatever they want no apple's not telling anyone that they have to buy this stuff but do you think it's fair to kind of have this thing and then have such little lit to it there's I- two ways that i can see this yeah. One is that, yes, it is a little jump, but this little jump has made Apple iPhone more accessible to more, um, like, so, so the things that the watch uh, is mm. now recognizing in exercise means mm. that it can expand to a whole new amount of uh, athletes. Like a whole new audience of athletes will now be using this watch to track their training and track all their thing. Because I think they added a couple more sports that it recognizes. Yeah, they did. Mm. Um, then the fact that, you know, the the phone does a lot more, it, it's now compatible with a, a lot more design apps for architectures, I think. Mm. Um, that opens up a new audience there. So when I look at it from that point of view, if you look at all of these things, the iPad mini uh, the reason why it's more like a pro is because it's enough. The the idea of it was now that we've a lot of our world has moved to online learning, online education, and online um, work. The iPad Mini is basically a massive phone and mm. can do all the things of a mini computer. Does that make like, so that's, but it's more affordable. The iPad mini was always the more affordable options of the iPads. Yep. So Mm, I can see what they're doing with this one. It's, I think that if you look at all of the Apple events as Mm. um, 
we're expanding our market versus we're expanding our technology. Yeah. It works. But if you're looking at it from a point of are they expanding a technology and is it worth it for the price that they're expanding it? Not really. Because essentially it is the same thing. The iPhone 13 is the same as the iPhone 12. And I really argue, even though we did talk about the iPhone 10 being not that big of a deal, it probably was more of a deal in hindsight. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a revolution, I guess, rather mm. than just evolution. But, yeah. Um, but a, a good point just before we move into the the key features of the iPhone 13. Then, um, the, a, a good kind of devil's advocate point of view of this is um a YouTuber which I love watching, MKBHD. Um, you know Marcus Brown, he's brilliant. Uh, Brownlee, what he's brilliant, what he does. Um, he's a tech reviewer and stuff like that. But he's just yeah, he does such brilliant videos. Um, devil's advocate to that view, I guess, is um. The person that gets an iPhone 13 isn't someone that has an iPhone 12 or shouldn't be someone with an iPhone 12. Mm. So that person that has an iPhone 12 complaining about the jump to iPhone 13 would be disappointed and therefore shouldn't be getting an iPhone 13. I agree. iPhone iPhone 13 should be for someone that has an iPhone 10 or an iPhone 11 or an iPhone 8 or something like that. And they're jumping forward to get the... And so it is a jump for them, a massive jump, especially when... So let's get to the specs then on the iPhone 13. So it has a better battery. The iPhone 13 Pro and the iPhone um, 13 Pro Max. Um, sorry, the iPhone 13 Pro Max has about 10 hours of screen on time, which is phenomenal for an iPhone and phenomenal for any smartphone. It's probably the best smartphone screen on time of any phone there is. Yeah. Um, the 13 Pro has about nine hours. So again, exceptional, brilliant screen time. That puts it right at the higher end. Mm-hmm. iPhone 13 has about eight hours, which again, is absolutely the range you want it to be. iPhone 13 mini has about five hours, so it's a significant jump, but nonetheless, it's pretty good for what it is, and it's probably the pick of the bunch in terms of a cost-effective phone now. The last iPhone mini wasn't a very good deal. This one is a good deal. Um, it has better cameras too now. Um, and it's you know it's it's about an hour's jump in terms of battery lifetime compared to the previous, like the iPhone 12. So each one's jumped significantly compared to their previous versions. So that's a significant thing. Now they have good, really good batteries. For someone with an iPhone 10, my iPhone probably has about four hours of solid on-screen time at the moment, just because the battery's getting old. Mm. Um, but it is, what, four years old? Got it at the end of 2017? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's four years old this year. So it's look, it's still doing fine, but again, it's it's the massive leaps and bounds. Mm. Um, the camera... Um, is way better on the pros. Mm. So, um, uh, you know, it, it, it just, again, it's better on the 13, but it's way better on the pros. Um, the software, which is limited to the 13 and up from now on, so only the 13 and up will have it, um, will have the thing called cinematic mode, um, which is basically, look, again, Marcus Brownlee or MKBHD, when, the way he re- looked at it and reviewed it, he said it's more like, portrait mode for video rather than like an actual cinematic mode like he doesn't he doesn't think it's as good as kind of the ads are showing it out to be and that sort of thing but he'll see as it gets better and gets more things developed for it mm. um the screen is better the iphone 13 pro and pro max both have 120 hertz refresh capabilities which means that like if you're swiping for example you won't really notice it if you've only ever seen 60 hertz which is what iphones have ever only ever had you won't really, really notice it um, on your phone, but it's probably more laggy and less smooth than it is on 
120 hertz phone so um, it's just better refresh and it can also adjust for what sort of thing you're using whether you're looking at a movie or you're looking at swiping through something mm. um, you're reading an article and you just scroll you're flicking through your home screens it works itself out to adjust what it needs to do rather than currently it's only ever been capped at 60 hertz and that's it um, it has a thousand nits of brightness whatever the hell that means um, that's good apparently apparently yeah. you can get it's like super bright now if it, you want it to be there's more variation um, besides that there's not a whole lot to shout about but it's basically the, the main... depth of the brightness okay right um, but but again yeah. so besides that those main areas of the phone which have been really kind of adjusted um, there's some new colors for the iPhone 13 Um the cameras are now identical, uh, sorry, diagonal on the 13, whereas at the moment on the 12, they're just one on top of the other. Um, and it's because they're slightly bigger and slightly better. Hmm. Um, there's a marginally smaller notch on the top of the screen. Uh, and um, unfortunately, the iPhone doesn't have fast wireless charging, as we we're all hoping it would get. Um, it does still have a lightning port. The iPhone Pro Max has up to a terabyte of storage. And is there one more thing? Yes. If you have an iPhone Pro Max, um, you can't really transfer video files from your phone to the computer. Again, if you have a terabyte and you're filming in 4K, you can't really transfer it to your computer very quickly because it's using lightning and that's much slower than um, uh, the USB-C. You'd so, be doing yeah, it wirelessly these days anyway. You'd be airdropping it to your Mac. Yeah, you'd have to because so, yeah, it doesn't... So... I completely agree with you with the fact that I I think I've been getting um, all my phone contracts on 36 months because mm-hmm. I feel like three years between iPhones is a good jump. Yeah. Um, I don't – yeah, I actually did. I went from a 7 to a 10 and I've got the t- 10 still, um, mm-hmm. which I like my 10. So it's pretty – I think the 10 is a good phone in my opinion. And I like the size of it. And I've got like the, you know, jiggy. Well, I've got my little cup thing on the back so I can hold it. But um, (laughs) I like my phone. Um, Also, I haven't broken the screen of this one, which is a miracle for me. Um, (laughs) But yeah, in general, I I think, again, these jumps are minuscule. I think the video camera is going to get better in the next two years um, with the recording of HD movies. Um, I, I, I just, I think the changes in iPhone come to small intervals. Like, I, I think if Apple left it every two years to update their phone, it would probably be better. But yeah, anyway, I, that, I think, that's... I think they're stalling. What do you mean? No, they're stalling? I think that's a lot of what it is. I, th- I think they shuffle a few things around for a couple of years until they've got something big they can they can really make a leap with. I also because... think they leave it for like massive numbers. I feel I feel like iPhone 15 is going to be the next big jump. Yeah. I yeah. Know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, like I think you're right. But look, I mean I'm probably going to get on board with the 13. That's where I'm going to probably bite the bullet and get a new phone. I've um, been looking at plans and stuff and I'm excited about it. So I think it's what I'll do. Um, mm. The 14 is probably going to be a better phone with probably fast charging, but whatever. Like, I haven't had it to now, so whatever. I'd, but, I'd, um, I don't think Lightning's going anywhere anytime soon. No, I don't think so. And, and I'm excited and, to have MagSafe. That's going to be cool. Um, yeah. I, got a new, I, got another, um, I got another year on my contract, so I'm like, eh. 
You get a 14. Um, yeah. Okay, so to the 7 Series watch. Um, the <sighs> edges of the screen are a little bit softer, um, a little bit more rounded. Um, not to say it's a round um, face now. It's just that the sides are slightly more curved. Yeah. Um, the screen is bigger now. you can see it from the side, can't you? Yeah, the screen yeah. is bigger and it go. the screen goes closer to the edges. And yes, you can now it's have... Got, um, it's got a bit of the waterfall effect. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, it has that. Um, the battery is better. It's got about 18 hours of predicted battery life um, and 33% faster charging than the Series 6. Again, comparing that to my season uh, Series 2. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. Um, because of the slightly bigger screen, it now has a QWERTY keyboard on it. Um, I mean, it'll be absolutely tiny, but um, cool. It's cool, I guess. Um, mm. And it has new colors. There's Midnight. Um, it's like a dark blue. There's Starlight, which is white. Um, green, it's like a dark olive. And then blue. And then there's a product red. Yep. Yep. That's the new ones for that. And Thoughts? I think where well, I'd, you know, we've talked about this already. I think we're in agreement that that's going to be the one that we're going to be going off to buy as soon as they give us a launch date. Yeah, that's when I'll uh, jump no, in. So it. launch date oh, is this week, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, I, I've just seen that as you as you've said that I'm I'm on the I, website. I get paid three day off oh, three days later, so I will be buying a new one. I, I really I'll want the seven. My work bonus. Yeah, Philip, I I'm, want, I'm with you. <laughs> I would like the seven, um, and then I I actually kind of am gonna get the 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 SMS one, the uh, the SIM card one, the sim. Yeah, I've decided to one. get a sim card watch for multiple reasons. One. Um, it's just easier to have everything on my watch. And then I'm going to also upgrade my headphones. Cause as we all know, as we're recording, I have issues with my headphones. <laughs> um, then, uh, but no, the SIM card watch is because I just, I, I, girls don't have pockets as it is. I'm sick mm. of carrying my phone around and having to constantly take it out and constantly do stuff with it. If I take the SIM card with me, um, I can go for like, I go for walks in the morning and do stuff. So like I can do hmm. that more. All that. Yeah. Without worrying about my phone, wallet, keys. I just need my watch <laughs> and my keys and that's it. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like con- I'm going to start doing the configurator online and see which one I want to get. But um, yeah, I'm excited for it. That's the one I'm going to mm. get, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. Bring it on. Um, well, Philip, I'll, get- I'll go with you to pick them up when the bonus comes in <laughs> yeah love it let's do that that's that's exactly what we're going to do uh, yeah. bring it on um let's get to the ipad then i mean it's a slightly larger screen for a mini so yeah. mini i don't know um 500 mini. nits brightness um it's an 80 percent jump in graphics performance compared to the old mini because the old one wasn't ever updated so big jump brilliant well done it now supports the pencil so to bianca's point yeah it's becoming more kind of like a you know high-end um, iPad, I guess. Um, mm. 5G connectivity and new colors of pink, purple, and starlight, and then space gray as well. So, brilliant. Cool. Um, shall we get to our sick end of the week, or do we have any more thoughts on Apple? I think just one last thing with the updates mm. and all that. Mm. I think that Apple, as much as we all do love them and, you know, it's great and blah, 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 I think Apple do have an innovation problem. Yep. yep. Um, in yep. the fact that they think they're innovators and they're not, uh, or they no. haven't been for a while. Um, well, the M1 chip was pretty amazing, and they come out with mm. things every couple of years. But their innovator died and left them about 150 odd patents 
for ideas that he had and they don't want to spend them all in one go. Well, if that's the case, I, I, I think they need to relook at their model because it would be much better if they came out with something amazing every three years and built up the anticipation. Then one every year. Then one every year. Or even if they updated their MacBooks this year and then they updated their phones next year and then they updated their watches. Yeah, they have, have, have years off from things, basically make it so that there's a constant cycle of... Um, of their ecosystem, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't think they'd lose too many customers doing that no. either. I don't. I don't think they wouldn't just lose too many customers. I don't. I think they would get a lot of extra customers, and I think it mm. would work in. It would work in a good enough cycle that, you know, everyone would. Everyone would have the new MacBook, and then everyone would have the new phone, and then everyone would have the new watch, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, over mm. and over again. Yeah, I, I, I. And it gives the team time to like actually come up with new ideas. It may give, you know, time for people to, you know, have these big breakthrough innovations that Steve Jobs used to have. So they won't have to constantly dive back into his, you know, bank secret vault. Mm. I I don't know. I just think they need to relook at their model in general in saying that I'm also kind of like that chick from, um, the Simpsons, who they're like, they got a new Malibu Stacey doll, but she has a new hat. Um, and you want it. <laughs> and I want it because I want the coloured one. So, yeah. yeah. But in my defence, also, my MacBook is eight years old. So I've had mine yep. for a while. Yep, it's true. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to our sick kid of the week. Alrighty, and that jingle means one thing. It is time for our sick kent of the week. Drew, who is our sick kent of the week for this week? Alright, so I sent you guys this a few days ago and it was just magical. Our sick Kent of the Week is a man by the name of Jack Marks of Broken Hill local paper The Barrier Truth for his front page limerick about Gladys Berejiklian. Yesterday Gladys Berejiklian, for five years New South Wales top Chiklian, alerted the press pack she'd been fingered by ICAC and was giving herself the big flicklian. This is not like me, said Berejiklian. I stand firm through the thin and the thicklian. But I've said it before, when the heat's at the door, one must make oneself scarce very quicklian. See, ICAC suspects, Berejiklian, did something not quite politiclian, when a bloke named Maguire ran some sleazy grants buyer for which he was getting back kicklian. Go for it, said Berejiklian. This politics just a picnicklian. Like Marie Antoinette, I'm of the mindset that it's my cake, so make yourself sicklian. But poor old Gladys Berejiklian had to sack this Maguire dipsticklian, cause he wasn't discreet, and there on his sheet was some of her own red lipsticklian. The press declared, Miss Berejiklian. We have done all the arithmeticlian, and it seems he got cash sometimes after your pash, which makes us feel rather seasicklian. For belligerent Gladys Berejiklian, the clock now went tick 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 ticklian. Her passion for a clown brought the whole circus down. Her balloon truly burst by a pricklian. 
Tis a shame because Miss Berejiklian, that virus she did try to lick Lian. Through the brute force of lockdown, she wore her own flock down, but at least assured we weren't homesick in. So farewell to you, Berejiklian. You were not in fact thick as a bricklian. If it wasn't for COVID, you'd have been our beloved. But the barrier's truth, Bolsheviklian. Yeah. Uh, well done, Mirka. Yeah, excellent. Um, <laughs> Thanks, guys. Just perfect. <laughs> just brilliant. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, our, uh, absolutely our second week, because that was brilliant. I mean, um, it's such a fitting tale of uh, the story of, of, of Berejiklian and mm-hmm. um, I think a fitting recipient of Sick Kent of the Week. Indeed. Thank you, uh, Jack Marks. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, that's time. Uh, it's, it is now time for us to go. Thank you, Bianca and Drew. Um, Thank you, thanks, team. Boys. Of course, of course. Um, until next week, we say a uh, yep. Yeah.